Chapter Thirty One of Louise de la Vallière. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eden Ray Hedrick. Louise de la Vallière by Alexandre Dumas. Chapter Thirty One Mademoiselle de la Vallière's Pocket Handkerchief. Madame was not bad hearted. She was only hasty and impetuous. The king was not imprudent. He was simply in love. Hardly had they entered into this compact, which terminated in La Vallière's recall, when they both sought to make as much as they could by their bargain. The king wished to see La Vallière every moment of the day, while Madame, who was sensible of the king's annoyance ever since he had so entreated her, would not relinquish her revenge on La Vallière without a contest. She planted every conceivable difficulty in the king's path. He was, in fact, obliged, in order to get a glimpse of La Vallière, to be exceedingly devoted in his attentions to his sister-in-law and this, indeed, was Madame's plan of policy. As she had chosen someone to second her efforts, and as this person was our old friend Montalais, the king found himself completely hemmed in every time he paid Madame a visit. He was surrounded, and was never left a moment alone. Madame displayed in her conversation a charm of manner and brilliancy of wit which dazzled everybody. Montalais followed her, and soon rendered herself perfectly insupportable to the king, which was, in fact, the very thing she expected would happen. She then sent Malicorne at the king, who found means of informing his majesty that there was a young person belonging to the court who was exceedingly miserable, and on the king inquiring who this person was, Malicorne replied that it was Mademoiselle de Montalais. To this the king answered that it was perfectly just that a person should be unhappy when she rendered others so, whereupon Malicorne explained how matters stood, for he had received his directions from Montalais. The king began to open his eyes. He remarked that, as soon as he made his appearance, Madame made hers too that she remained in the corridors until after he had left, that she accompanied him back to his own apartments, fearing that he might speak in the antechambers to one of her maids of honour. One evening she went further still. The king was seated, surrounded by the ladies who were present, and holding in his hand, concealed by his lace ruffle, a small note which he wished to slip into La Vallière's hand. Madame guessed both his intention and the letter, too. It was difficult to prevent the king's going wherever he pleased, and yet it was necessary to prevent his going near La Vallière, or speaking to her, as by so doing he could let the note fall into her lap behind her fan, or into her pocket-handkerchief. The king, who was also on the watch, suspected that a snare was being laid for him. He rose and pushed his chair, without affectation, near Mademoiselle de Chatillon, with whom he began to talk in a light tone. They were amusing themselves making rhymes. From Mademoiselle de Chatillon he went to Montalais, and then to Mademoiselle de Tonnay-Charente and thus, by this skilful manoeuvre, he found himself seated opposite to La Vallière, whom he completely concealed. Madame pretended to be greatly occupied, altering a group of flowers that she was working in tapestry. The king showed the corner of his letter to La Vallière, and the latter held out her handkerchief with a look that signified, "'Put the letter inside.' Then, as the king had placed his own handkerchief upon his chair, he was adroit enough to let it fall on the ground, so that La Vallière slipped her handkerchief on the chair." The king took it quietly, without any one observing what he did, placed the letter within it, and returned the handkerchief to the place he had taken it from. There was only just time for La Vallière to stretch out her hand to take hold of the handkerchief with its valuable contents. But Madame, who had observed everything that had passed, said to Mademoiselle de Chatillon, "'Chatillon, be good enough to pick up the king's handkerchief, if you please. It has fallen on the carpet.' The young girl obeyed with the utmost precipitation, the king having moved from his seat, and La Vallière being in no little degree nervous and confused. "'Ah, I beg your majesty's pardon,' said Mademoiselle de Chatillon. "'You have two handkerchiefs, I perceive.' And the king was accordingly obliged to put into his pocket La Vallière's handkerchief as well as his own. 
he certainly gained that souvenir of louise who lost however a copy of verses which had cost the king ten hours hard labour and which as far as he was concerned was perhaps as good as a long poem it would be impossible to describe the king's anger and la valliere's despair but shortly afterwards a circumstance occurred which was more than remarkable when the king left in order to retire to his own apartments malicorne informed of what had passed one can hardly tell how was waiting in the antechamber the antechambers of the palais royal are naturally very dark and in the evening they were but indifferently lighted nothing pleased the king more than this dim light as a general rule love whose mind and heart are constantly in a blaze condemns all light except the sunshine of the soul and so the antechamber was dark a page carried a torch before the king who walked on slowly greatly annoyed at what had recently occurred malicorne passed close to the king almost stumbled against him in fact and begged his forgiveness with the profoundest humility but the king who was in an exceedingly ill temper was very sharp in his reproof to malicorne who disappeared as soon and as quietly as he possibly could louis retired to rest having a misunderstanding with the queen and the very next day as soon as he entered the cabinet he wished to have la valliere's handkerchief in order to press his lips to it he called his valet fetch me he said the coat i wore yesterday evening but be very sure you do not touch anything it may contain the order being obeyed the king himself searched the pocket of the coat he found only one handkerchief and that his own la valliere said disappeared whilst busied with all kinds of conjectures and suspicions a letter was brought to him from la valliere it ran thus how good and kind of you to have sent me those beautiful verses how full of ingenuity and perseverance your affection how is it possible to help loving you so dearly what does this mean thought the king there must be some mistake look well about he said to his valet for a pocket-handkerchief must be in one of my pockets and if you do not find it or if you have touched it he reflected for a moment to make a state matter of the loss of the handkerchief would be to act absurdly and he therefore added there was a letter of some importance inside the handkerchief which had somehow got among the folds of it sire replied the valet your majesty has only one handkerchief and that is it true true replied the king setting his teeth hard together oh poverty how i envy you happy is the man who can empty his own pockets of letters and handkerchiefs he read la valliere's letter over again endeavouring to imagine in what conceivable way his verses could have reached their destination there was a postscript to the letter i send you back by your messenger this reply so unworthy of what you sent me so far so good i shall find out something now he said delightedly who is waiting and who brought me this letter monsieur malicorne replied the valet de chambre timidly desire him to come in malicorne entered you come from mademoiselle de la valliere said the king with a sigh yes sire and you took mademoiselle de la valliere something from me i sire yes you oh no sire mademoiselle de la valliere says so distinctly oh sire mademoiselle de la valliere is mistaken the king frowned what jest is this he said explain yourself why does mademoiselle de la valliere call you my messenger what did you take to that lady speak monsieur and quickly sire i merely took mademoiselle de la valliere a pocket-handkerchief that was all a handkerchief what handkerchief sire at the very moment when i had the misfortune to stumble against your majesty yesterday a misfortune which i shall deplore to the last day of my life especially after the dissatisfaction which you exhibited i remained sire motionless with despair your majesty being at too great a distance to hear my excuses when i saw something white lying on the ground ah said the king i stooped down it was a pocket-handkerchief for a moment i had an idea that when i stumbled against your majesty i must have been the cause of the handkerchief falling from your pocket 
but as i felt it all over very respectfully i perceived a cipher at one of the corners and on looking at it closely i found that it was mademoiselle de la valliere's cipher i presumed that on her way to madame's apartment in the earlier part of the evening she must have let her handkerchief fall and i accordingly hastened to restore it to her as she was leaving and that is all i gave to mademoiselle de la valliere i entreat your majesty to believe malicorne's manner was so simple so full of contrition and marked with such extreme humility that the king was greatly amused in listening to him he was as pleased with him for what he had done as if he had rendered him the greatest service this is the second fortunate meeting i have had with you monsieur he said you may count upon my good intentions the plain and sober truth was that malicorne had picked the king's pocket of the handkerchief as dexterously as any of the pickpockets of the good city of paris could have done madame never knew of this little incident but montalais gave la valliere some idea of the manner in which it had really happened and la valliere afterwards told the king who laughed exceedingly at it and pronounced malicorne to be a first-rate politician louis the fourteenth was right and it is well known that he was tolerably well acquainted with human nature End of chapter 31